Welcome to Accelerate OC, the only show focused on the people leading innovation in Orange County. Join our host, Carrie Ransom, and his conversations with the trendsetters, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders here, because it's time to Accelerate OC. Good morning. Welcome to Accelerate OC. I'm Carrie Ransom. And thanks always to our engineer, Paul, for making me and my guests sound so good. Today's episode is sponsored by OC4 Venture Studio, which is a new tech startup company building platform and community here in Orange County, which is where Accelerate OC also focuses. If you're looking for help with your startup or opportunities to work with the next generation of high growth startup companies here, or you want to be part of the Orange County startup community, you can find us at OC4V.com. I am happy to have my friend Sergey Sundakovsky here on Accelerate OC today. And before we get to hear from him and his experiences and wisdom as a longtime entrepreneur and tech leader, I first wanted to give you a quick introduction to Sergey. So he's currently the founder or co-founder and CTO and chief product officer of Certamy, which is a software startup here that's building a platform for the professional certification, licensing, and compliance industry. Prior to that, he was also the CTO and chief product officer of Raken, a software company in the construction industry. And prior to that, he was also, among other things, he was CTO of a company that uh, he was a key leader in and sold to Capital One, where he took on a, a senior engineering role as well about five years ago. So we'll talk a little bit about the experience of selling into a big corporate like Capital One. He's been around here for quite a while and has really been a consistent serial early stage tech and and internet company leader, Um, even going back to the prior era um, that I get to talk to some folks about, the dot-com era. Uh, and we, we both lived through that uh, and still remain standing to this day. Uh, and I always have enjoyed our conversations. He has great perspective and wisdom on a number of things beyond technology. He, he really is thoughtful about company building, uh, investing, how to build teams, how to build cultures. And he also is very giving of his time and his talents. He mentors and advises entrepreneurs and companies through a number of different incubators and accelerators, both uh, in Southern California and even virtual ones uh, across the world. Sergey, it's really good to have you here on Accelerate OC today. Kerry, thank you so much for having me. Yes. So let's get to the starting line. Uh, tell us a bit about your current venture, Certamy, and how you decided to get involved in this opportunity. I would love to. So Certamy, as you mentioned, is a SaaS platform for uh, licensing certification, and compliance management. Um, It's a SaaS platform that we offer to the companies that either want to issue certification and enforce licensing and compliance or want to just to get started. Without us, if you you think what Certamy gives to its clients, without us, it's really an Excel spreadsheet where uh, top-down you have a list of names and left to right you just have a list of states where uh, you have people 
going through the education and going through the testing and going through a compliance steps. And as you can imagine, it gets pretty tedious, especially if you need to manage hundreds and thousands of professionals that need to maintain their licensing and certification. Um, according to uh, Bureau of Statistics, we have 43 million people that hold at least one license or wow. one certification. That's, that's so you, I, the question I was going to ask you, so you just sort of teed it up. Um, huge market from a standpoint of people with a certification or a license. And so I think that this is a very interesting topic to explore around uh, being an entrepreneur because you got a huge potentially addressable market. How, how did you guys go about the process of determining that there was something that, in this case, software that people were going to be willing to pay for? To manage this, right? Like, you know, coming up with the problem or the even you mentioned the Excel spreadsheet, the uh, return on investment case that a lot of, of your buyers are clearly going to have to, to go through. Certainly, just like many other startups, is a case of uh, scratch your own itch. Mm. Um, certainly got started by Oleg Schwartz, uh, who was, uh, was a medical, who was a doctor, and uh, he just ran into Rent to issues, uh, keeping up with his certification and licensing management, and just like what what would the entrepreneur do is look at the look at the problem and try to come up with a solution, and we came together as four co-founders a bit later in the micro pivot, and all of us four founders look at the problem and look at the market. So obviously, as you mentioned, the TAM is is really huge, but when you're looking at the TAM. You're deciding whether this TAM is addressable. Is whatever you're going to do is going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be implementable. If it's it's going to be logical, and you're going to be able to offer a solution that's uh, that's both easy, easy and configurable, and is going to be able to be sold uh, to that TAM. And that this is how it came together. We we determined that the market is definitely big. The solution is there. And it can be can be done. It can be done both profitably, and we can we can put it together in relatively uh, short period of time. Yeah, I think this is a great example. I mean, that, that last point you make about you know relatively short period of time. There's clearly a business problem. There's an efficiency problem that exists. I don't know that I on the surface see a really complicated technology problem. So how how are you guys thinking about a defensibility or you know what the things that you really need to stand on as your differentiators for this business so if you look at the if you look at any business and especially business as it comes to uh, software that as you mentioned is not is not extremely complicated and you will find that majority of the startup ideas are not really complicated technologies are not complicated and the simpler as everybody looks at Uber and everybody looks at Slack, people say, I had that idea before. Sure. This is not this is not complicated. It's easy to do. So really, really the moat around the business is ability to execute on your ideas, yes. is to define the goals and to meet the timeline of delivering this to market quickly enough where you're going to get some traction and you're going to have 
replacing incumbents is extremely difficult. Uh, you need to be as a as a company to be replaced. You need to be treating your customers poorly. You need to be regressive, not deliver software on time, be buggy. So a lot of times when when you hear companies going out of business or losing their market share, they're just basically asleep at the wheel. Yeah, I, I think that is not discussed nearly as frequently as, as possible, right? That, that there's, there is one school of potential entrepreneurship in just looking at existing incumbents in markets and working to do it better enough uh, than they are um, because the, that the, the innovator's dilemma of the existing business just trying to maintain where they are is, is a real real impediment. And it, 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 I think it's, um, as you're, you're seeing, I think in the, the early traction of your business, um, there are uh, markets that can be quickly penetrated by uh, just building a really b better solution. Market uh, markets; these sort of markets can be can be easily penetrated because usually there's incumbents that are either providing the software that's so custom and takes so long to build and so long to adapt that uh, the customers are really unhappy and they're not they're ready to move. They just don't have an attractive option for them. And this is more of an M mo for me because I, uh, as with my previous company. A lot of times I address problems which are being handled either by poorly by incumbents or really by pen and paper. So if you look at the if you look at the compliance software, our customers are really compliance and certification and licensing software, our customers are really fall into two categories. They're re either pretty big, but they have custom built software that they invested millions of dollars. Mm. Or you have really small ones, and they just simply can't afford it, and they're using pen and paper. So at least 65% of the market is using just pen and paper in Excel. And that's that's the real opportunity. It's a blue ocean opportunity that uh, we can we can go in and, and address. Now, um, some of the existing companies, we also see that they're just simply tired of maintaining that software. They're really in, they're in certification and licensing business. They're not in software development business. But we see as much as 50% of their budget is spent maintaining that wow. custom software. And it's just, that's just really tough. And quite often with companies that I, um, that I either start or join, they're basically addressing that problem. They're becoming less and less industries out there that can be addressed this way, but uh, certification and compliance is certainly one of them. Yeah, and maybe not an obvious business that people are gonna wake up and get super excited, but you're solving real problems for both people that are maintained, as you said, with pen and paper, or people that are in, in this business and haven't gone through that digital transformation, or maybe they went through a first phase, like you said, building their own, but they're ready to get out of that that business of, of maintaining software and would rather rent it from an expert like you guys. And as a as a founder, I typically approach uh, joining the startups or deciding on the idea, trying to understand if this is a real problem and it has a real solution. So a lot of times I see startup founders thinking about the problems that don't really exist. Mm, right? Yes. They make up. 
they make up a solution and they, they go around looking for a problem. So mm-hmm. one of the first things I look at when I look at the problem, I, I analyze whether that's a real problem, right? Uh, it's not a, and the solution is uh, it's a painkiller as, as opposed to a vitamin. So those are the uh, necessary, certainly not sufficient, but necessary qualities of the idea is to look at real problem and look at the real solution, practical solution that can be that can be delivered on time and on target to address that market. Yeah, some great words of wisdom in there, Sergey. Thanks for, for sharing those. So let's let's go into the hood just a little bit more here. So the company's underway. Um, you have a team, we were just talking off the air. You you've really this is your first uh, startup where you have a truly distributed team with uh, founders in in several different location so first let's just talk about where the company is at this point so you've got you know team size you've got some capital into the business you've got some customer traction so give give the audience sort of a an overview of where where you are now and what you see for 2020 well we're we're in several locations as you as you said this is the first company that's done in truly distributed manner so we don't have a single office where we all are but we we travel between multiple places so we have a office in OC we have an office in San Diego and again these are sort of temporary offices with WeWorks and 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 whatnot so we and there's there's another one in LA and our uh, customer success and uh, sales team are in Jersey so again very very distributed and this is the first time I'm I'm doing something like this and there's definitely some pros and cons in getting it done this way. Um, you certainly lose some magic of the hallways uh, when people are not in the same location and you need to pay some tuition. You need to, the currency that you use is, is constant communication mm-hmm. and uh, Slack and uh, um, additional meetings that you need to have in order to keep everybody abreast of what's going on. Sure. So, yeah, I think that's a. a, a a reality and and you know i've i've posited as well now that southern california is becoming an increasing tech startup center and i i use southern california as a sort of santa barbara to san diego you know you're already evidence with people in three different sub markets that that is a possibility i've posited that over the next decade i think we'll see some very large companies emerge that have multiple nodes in Southern California. So whether that's doing like you did with downtown LA and OC and San Diego, and maybe Certamy becomes one of those uh, large companies with, with multiple nodes. But I, I think that is a increasing reality because the tools and, and tech are there and the lifestyle of not commuting hours and hours per day is, I think, something more and more senior executives like you are, are attentive to and saying, it's just uh, we we can still be really productive. So you know, do you you think that that's a likely path, or do you do you think people are going to revert back to face to face, you know, five days a week? I um, I think we're never going back to nine to five. Sure. Uh, their pendulum pendulum is definitely swinging towards uh, fully distributed companies, and you see some unicorns out there. They're basically fully distributed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zapier being being one of them, mm-hmm. Envision being another, and it's certainly not an easy thing to do. But 
um, you will find the technology-centric companies will find technical talent anywhere they can mm -hmm. find. Mm -hmm. um, uh, technology teams have been distributed for quite some time. Um, I started doing outsourcing almost 20 years ago. So this is this is definitely not new for uh, for technology departments. You see, you, you see technical resources being offshore, being mm -hmm. locally co-located. Um, at the same time, we, we see uh, we see additional additional movement on the business side to be distributed as well. But but that's exactly for the for the same reasons. It's difficult. We're in great economy, and it's difficult to find uh, resources because everybody's gainfully employed. If you have to uh, pick up your family and move it, it's certainly certainly very difficult. Um, so quite often that this will be something, and it moved from. Um, well, it would be nice to have to now it's more or less expected that uh, position either is in person or it's uh, or it's a remote position. So it's being requested a lot more as an expectation from uh, from uh, Gen Z. Sure. I think that's that is the reality. So uh, one of the things we were talking about off the air, and I'm, and I'm curious um, how you think this maybe helps mitigate some of the, the potential challenges of a, of a new venture that's distributed is that several of the folks that you're working with, some of, several of your even co-founders are folks that um, we both know um, from prior lives, right? We were realizing just how small the technology world is here. What is it about those kind of prior relationships and the trust uh, and, and comfort of, of working with folks like that that you most appreciate as you think about a new business? Since uh, founding my first company, I basically told myself I won't start companies with people I don't know. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the stats, just besides the fact that uh, uh, what I think and what others uh, think, if you look at the if you look at the stats, um, in terms of startup failure, you will see that 85% of the time when companies do fail, and I mean lights out, this will be because of the founder breakup. And uh, and this this is certainly precipitated by other problems that startups have, but uh, relationships are one of the key things in order to, uh, to get the startup uh, to work. First of all, startups are uh, a team sport. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a team sport, it's highly collaborative. And it's a lot easier to collaborate with people that you know. That's one. Number two, you know their style of working together. Mm -hmm. And uh, decision-making and culture building becomes a lot easier when you do know people. And that's one of the key things that I'm looking at when I'm evaluating a startup. Do they uh, are the people who are getting together? Do they have a track record of execution? That's one. Number two, do I know them, or do I know the people mm -hmm. that know them that can give me a reference, and I can basically evaluate what's the risk factor of people getting to, uh, of us getting together? Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a lot of great thoughts in there. Here's a, here's a a question for I'll, I'll ask this for the audience. Let's say. I haven't done this before. I don't have these relationships with the right types of people who might have the appetite to be co-founders to to work with me. What's some advice on how to potentially get into a network where I could find those folks? Well, um, OC would be one of the one of the great examples uh, where uh, we have quite a few. Uh, communal efforts that are being uh, being emerged and coalesced, and uh, 
going to those things and just trying to find people that you gel well. Uh, that's one. Number two, trying to do a, maybe a pilot project together. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's another. Uh, quite often, if you're a first-time uh, founder, then you want to surround yourself with some talent. And um, a lot of times it takes a form of advisors. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, lately advisors have been getting some some bad names. Uh, uh, we're getting a bad name because people are just simply were names on the deck as sure. opposed to being really involved with the business. So it now being rebranded as uh, advisory positions where it's an advising CTO or advising a CPO or advising CMO or, or even advising CEO. You have somebody who's not just giving you advice, but really executing, mm. right? And this reminds me of an IBM commercial. Well, we don't do what we propose. We just propose it. So um, as long as you don't end up in those relationships and, and you uh, you get together with people who are actually not just giving you advice, but helping you even on a part-time basis, this is a, really nice way to get to know people and and get to uh, get to figure out if you would be a good founding team yeah I think there's um, great thoughts in there I mean, the, the you know summary from my perspective is it's it's relational and sometimes the only way to get there is time and, Ab- and to build that relationship in some way but I think there's some great ideas there you you shared on ways to sort of build that relationship not just having coffee but and conversations, but actually doing some things together. Absolutely, it might appear that you gel well when you just, uh, you know, when you get together for coffee. But really, working together, going through some stressful situations, which what startups are. It's uh, it's, an, it's certainly an extreme situation where you're going to be under a lot of pressure uh, across the board uh, from your customers, from your potential customers, internally, from from your co-founders, from investors. Um, from your family, I think that this is all stressful and, and working together through those stressful situations is going to tell you if it's going to work or not. Yeah, great. Great points. Uh, I, I think a key part of why we started OC4 here was to really try to create an environment for people maybe before they've even begun to have a, a safe place to come try some of these things on or be around others who are feeling some of that stress and pressure to see if it fits them. And so there is, I think there, there historically has maybe been a lack of those places where people can, can show up. And we need many of those here because I think the reality, um, as we look at our economy over the next decade, we need more founders. We need more starters. Uh, and that's, that's the thing I wanted to talk to you about next. But I think, I think that's the reality of Orange County is we, we need more new businesses getting off the ground here to really start to change the economy. Uh, I absolutely agree with you. It's uh, I I firmly believe just as in business as in other endeavors, it's a build up and breakthrough situation. If you don't have a build up, you won't have a breakthrough. Yes. So if you don't have if you don't have a community, if you don't have people coming together, if you don't see others going through the same things as you are, mm. uh, it's just it's easy to think that. Uh, especially I when I started my first startup, I I thought I was. I was exceptionally either unlucky or exceptionally stupid, even <laughs> though I had a PhD uh, in business. And I thought that the startup stuff is going to be super easy for me, but but it wasn't. 
uh, because in business school they don't teach you uh, what to do when you don't uh, when you have just one dollar. They mm. teach you what to do when you have a billion dollars, mm -hmm. but they don't tell you how to start things and be be everything that you need to be for your company and how to deal with uh, stress and pressure. Going through uh, going through it is extremely is extremely unnerving and difficult. Um, seeing others go through the same experience and hearing that almost uh, almost acts as a therapy session, right? Where you uh, when when you realize that you're not you're not unique. You're going through the same set of problems or uh, problems challenges, and, and it ultimately rewards as others do. Yes, and I mean right on. Okay, you, you, you feel like you read all of my questions ahead of time, Sergey. You know, one of the reasons I started Accelerate OC was exactly what you just said, was to share some of those stories. I mean, there are amazing innovators and founders and folks like you here in Orange County, and the stories just aren't captured and told nearly as frequently. You've been a serial company founder or co-founder. What is it? I mean, you had those early challenges, as you just said. What is it that's kept you going to continue to have the confidence to keep doing this? I mean, I, I look in the mirror sometimes and question my sanity of mm -hmm. why do I keep doing this over and over? But it's I, I just have sort of concluded it's who I am as a person. So what what is it that keeps you going? Well, certainly startup founders have a, have a particular DNA. I, I think if you analyze what, what kind of people make uh, good... Uh, you know, good startup founders, you will see that there is on top five uh, personality traits, certainly conscientiousness mm -hmm. now being being branded as as grit mm -hmm. is definitely is definitely part of it. I my my wife would say stubbornness, but uh, <laughs> it's a it's a good kind of stubbornness mm -hmm. is right is to uh, is to set the goal and to uh, and to accomplish it. And I think that's 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 certainly necessary but not not sufficient enough you need to have a good team around you you need to uh, you need to have investors you need to have experience so all of these things have to come together that's why you don't see um, startup hubs emerging in one day in one particular mm -hmm. location it takes time it takes uh, it takes effort it takes money and it takes take some experience and these things have to come together as ingredients in order to make a good startup community. Mm -hmm. So what is, as you look back uh, and reflect a little bit, I mean, I mentioned earlier, you know, you were part of a founding team, sold a company to Capital One, which is one of the biggest financial institutions in our country. You had a, uh, I'm guessing a fairly comfortable position inside there after the acquisition. I mean, what, what was it uh, that kept you, going back to the the startup world when you could have after already having done several having a, a nice outcome um you know chilled out for a while and 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 hung out there what what was it that that brought you back um it it happens every time so when you uh when you build a company especially if you specialize in uh, b2b companies the company gets acquired um there if you uh as as an entrepreneur, if you look at the if you look at the stats, then you see that companies there's only there's only a handful of companies, maybe 150 to 200 companies a year that go public. Um, rest of the companies are getting getting acquired. So there's uh, 14,000 acquisitions in the United States. Uh, there is um, you know there is a high likelihood that you're going to get acquired. And as a matter of fact, 
if you're thinking about starting a company in B2B space, seven out of 10 exits are basically B2B companies. Mm -hmm. And usually what happens you're, when you get acquired, you, uh, you have to come with uh, because, because per, uh, personnel and, uh, sure. um, and the founders are part of the, part of the acquisition. If, so if you don't come with, then there is no deal. And as part of that, you need to do a corporate stint. Um, again, companies, uh, you, if you get acquired by a big company like Capital One, especially if it's a bank, you, you start missing some of that agility that you had as a startup. And uh, you know, when you are a startup, you're just hoping to be acquired because you want that steady paycheck and you want that payout. And then once you're in a large company, you immediately start thinking, well, there's, there's quite a few things here that I want to change, but it's difficult because mm -hmm. large companies cannot, can, uh, it's, a, it's a ship that it takes uh, more decisions are made by consensus because you, you just can't, you just can't drive it like a, you know, like a small dinghy. It just doesn't happen. Uh, the uh, big companies will fall apart if, if they have to make strategy decisions every day. So some of, some of that nimble nature is basically what brings you back. And just ability. Also, just by, by nature, I, I, I spend a lot of time executing just as I uh, spend time on strategy being a co-founder. But I also spend time as a as a product guy and as a technology guy. And I just really enjoy it. I, I feel if I don't do it, you become stale and you quickly, especially in the technology industry, you just you just simply become outdated and mm -hmm. what used to be right is not right anymore. And and uh, you even worse off not knowing anything uh, because you're, you're literally acting on the information that used to be right, but now is wrong. And I enjoy, I immensely enjoy product because I feel that, uh, value of product um, gets, uh, well, it's underestimated, but it's also uh, it's also becoming more and more prominent. The value of design and value of product right. is key to uh, getting the customer delight. Yes, for sure. So let's let's talk in, uh, about that for, for a bit. Um, I mean, you have this really strong and continuously uh, evolving technical leadership background so you you know you you've been a technical leader in a number of companies and we were talking just before the show about how in many of your uh, companies over the last decade or so you've also been the chief product officer and I would consider you one of the the few enlightened technical leader who also has um, has been that that product leader and what what is it that you feel like you know has equipped you to to do that well because often there is that sort of belief in a separation between engineering and product that that there needs to be a, uh, two two different personalities there but there's i'm sure some great synergy and power from having it um under your oversight um what what is it about you that that's because I mean, to me that's the future of technical leadership um, and we need to figure out how to harness and create more of you here. That I think that could really serve Orange County well. If you look at the if you look at the perimeter of concern uh, from a product perspective and technology perspective, technology is primarily responsible for the answering the question of how. Mm -hmm. And uh, product is responsible for answering the what, mm -hmm. and and I see I see an interesting dichotomy when uh, when company when founders get together. A lot of times you will see multiple either product founders, product centric founders, mm -hmm. or technology centric founders 
getting together. In other words, they're uh, birds of the feather. And uh, what happens in that case is you either have how-centric solutions mm -hmm. uh, on the technology side, or you have product-centric solutions, which are which are n not practical. Uh, combining those qualities is extremely important. Uh, understanding both the limitations of the technology, but also making sure it's product centric. So that's that's one of the that's mm -hmm. one of the things mm -hmm. that uh, distinguishes what I've done in my career is to start in technology, but very quickly realizing that uh, that without the product understanding, without the what, the how is not going to be very useful. So yeah, that's. It, it, uh, that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, uh, quite often when startups get founded, they they get founded by let's just say it's a product or a and a technology guy or a gal that are mm -hmm. getting together, and one of them decides that well you know you know coding so you're going to be a CTO. So the CTO is really a misnomer uh, because. Because initially it starts out with uh, just just somebody who knows more about the mm -hmm. technology. So I feel that baked in in the definition of the CTO is love and understanding of the product. Mm -hmm. If you don't really have it, then you're not really a CTO. So I feel that there's already a product slant that's baked in into a CTO title. That's I think that's incredibly valuable. To and how how do you teach? those technical leaders that are really just how I want to solve technical problems, Sergey, I, you know, I'll, I'll let them just tell me what it is we need to build. And then I'm going to do it in this most elegant technical, as you said, how, uh, how, how do you convince them that they need to be much more embracing of the customer, the product, the problem space itself? And when I when I look at startups, um, a lot of startups, especially technology-driven startups, treat uh, their technology as uh, as a science fair, right? So there, it's a mm -hmm. it's a long discussions about uh, you know what's going to be the best way to implement it te uh, technically, and there there's just just takes quite a long time for uh, for a best technology solution to come together. And that's one of the follies of technologists. Mm -hmm. and we are we as computer scientists are taught in school to find the best way. And but there is a difference between computer science and software engineering. So it's just not taught well in school that uh, delivering the product that will delight the customer and that might fall short in some areas on the technology side, it's still okay. Especially as it comes to startups, because there's just a lot more difficult problems to figure out than technology. So that's that's one. Um, number two, if you're excited about the technology more than you're excited about the idea, then you probably shouldn't be a CTO. It mm. doesn't mean you don't have mm -hmm. a place at, uh, in the company. You certainly do. As a chief architect, as I as, uh, as I um, held these positions before, both uh, on the development side and uh, and uh, just across the entire engineering um, spectrum, um, it's uh, it, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's there's a specific mindset that comes to a technologist that's uh, that's working with uh, within the startup and needs to deliver a business value and needs to balance a lot of different things. That are not technology first. Oh, that's Paul. Am I allowed to uh, go across the table here and give my guest a <laughs> hug? I mean, this is I, I 
We're, I, I'm sitting here going, all right, well, what are we going to start together, Sergey? Because we're, we could not be more uh, aligned in our views about uh, about this. And so um, I'm going to Well, that, we are starting something. Yeah, we're, we're starting a community in that's OC. Right. So that's right. this, is, this is certainly a start. So how do we get more? I mean, to that point, how do we get more technical folks to have that appetite to go be a, a founder or a co-founder. I mean, there, there are just tremendous, I, I, I know many great technical leaders and, and folks here. How do we get them comfortable with um, having an appetite to go be a, a co-founder or a founder and, and start more companies here? Because they're, you know, the beauty is there, there's so many product products to be built and problems still to solve. You know, you guys found a great market opportunity in licensing and certification, and there are dozens, hundreds more to be done out there. How do we how do we get more people to come to show up and say, I'm ready, let's go? Well, one of the things you need to make sure if uh, people don't move away, engineers don't move away yes. as soon as they graduate from college, because there's a there's a greater draw. If you if you look at it, if you look at the Bay Area, if you look at San Diego, there is a strong draw to go to go into uh, those geos and uh, and start working there. Um, now, in order for you to, uh, as an engineer, to rationalize staying um, in OC, you need you need a lot of a lot of companies, or you need a lot of ideas. You need a lot of business ideas, and you need you need them funded. But you also need experienced people who can show you that there That's is right. another another career path than simply becoming a technologist and and going and working for Google or mm-hmm. Amazon or mm-hmm. any of those hardcore technology companies. And at the end of the day, um, a lot of people are just simply not, a lot of engineers are not aware of the ideas where they have, uh, uh, they're not aware of the of the opportunities that are, that are open to them in startups. And their understanding of startups is, is really generalized or idealized. And they're idea that within a couple of years they're going to join a startup and uh, work hard and make uh, millions of dollars is still still extremely prevalent. So I think ha- having education or having all kinds of community events where engineers can meet other more senior engineers and can look at their career. So we should have more experienced people mm-hmm. just pre- just presenting and talking about their career and some of the choices that they made and what would it, uh, other choices they would have otherwise made if they knew what they know now. Mm, I think that's a great. We're, we're, I'm going to have you uh, be one of my first guests. We're going to do that event uh, and we'll do it at, at OC4 for sure because I totally agree. I had, we had a group of really bright and uh, energetic computer science and engineering folks from UC Irvine in our office yesterday and they they could so benefit from hearing some of those thoughts and experiences from you and, and others here so I love it absolutely we, we where do I say take away yeah we, we got it so as you think about Orange County as a place for technology innovation and, and startups what are some areas that you think we as a community should be thinking about over the next decade and saying, you know, these are ones I feel like we have the right DNA, we have the right assets to be a a leader in, and we should be looking at how do we pull people together, how do we pull funding together, and and get more companies off the ground? Okay, it's a a really good question. So if you look at the, if you look at various areas, uh, the startup areas, 
um, where startups have flourished, uh, you will find that some of them, uh, like New York uh, or Silicon Valley or um, L.A. or San Diego, they're known for a particular thing. So if you look at New York, it's a financial industry. If you look at uh, if you look at L.A., it's entertainment. If you look at San Diego, it's life sciences. If you look at Silicon Valley, I'm not sure if there's a, there's a specific focus for uh, um, for Silicon Valley. But uh, there's there's underestimated value of uh, being a generalist. Mm. Um, when people ask me, what specifically do you, is there an area where you specialize? I, 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 I say it uh, pridefully that there isn't a specific area where I, where I, I tell myself, well, this is where I'm going to plant my mm-hmm. flag. I, I'm certainly specializing in SaaS B2B companies, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's a cross-cutting concern. So being more of a generalist is highly underestimated. So I feel that uh, oh, um, Orange County could, uh, without any spe- specialty, uh, still be special because it's cross-cutting and you can come here and start any company. That's because right. when the entrepreneur looks at the idea, then... Um, if they have to tell themselves, well, this is not the area where you start because it's not impacted in this particular area because, you know, we just do entertainment here. If I don't have an entertainment idea, I have to move away. Mm-hmm. Now, if OC is very much a generalist, um, then um, if it's suited for, for uh, general startups, then you will have a lot more startups uh, being started here. And then if the area of specialty emerges, that's fine. We're certainly strong in real estate here. We have uh, B2B slant. So there's quite a few areas, mm-hmm. especially I've never seen so many physical products being developed in sure. this in this area. If you look at Silicon Valley, it's it's sort of kryptonite and there's just not a ton of not a ton of uh, VCs are touching anything that's um, physical product related. But I saw a lot more upstarts and startups here being being grounded and uh, in a particular physical product yeah I think there's a there's definitely a class of folks here that believe that's a that's a key area maybe of specialty if you look at our history as surf industry and electrical components and defense and uh, that there are there's there is a kind of a maker culture here and we have that we have brands so I I love the contrarian thought you have which um, I think it's unfortunate that it's contrarian, but that general support and uh, I've said, you know, this county was built by entrepreneurs. There's a there is a can-do, creative, problem-solving attitude that I think just runs through this whole area, and you have thousands, tens of thousands of small to medium-sized companies that were started and and built here, and so there are a whole crop of, of entrepreneurs, they're starters, they're operators, and that should give us the confidence to go create companies in new realms that maybe we don't have a huge amount of, of center of gravity or, or expertise in. But I, I, you know, as you talk about generalists, I, I think of myself largely that way. And what I like to say is uh, I'm the type of person who just likes to go figure things out. And I'm sure you're very similarly minded. And if we as a culture here just accept, hey, we can figure anything out. We can build any kind of company here. And if you look at even just my guests on the show, it runs a wide gamut of different kinds of of companies and industries. And so 
I, I love this. I think there's so much power in just saying we can do it. Um, we just have to start. Regardless of what the idea is, we can we can absolutely do it. And again, I I, I absolutely second that. Um, wide ranges and wide gamuts of various industries, and uh, it's just it's it's important to the mindset. If I would say anything is is critical to uh, to a uh, to a startup and a startup founder is the mindset of can do. Mm-hmm. I will. No idea is beyond me, and I will. I, I will try. I will try to isolate that kernel of uh, innovation, that flash of genius, and I will build a company around it. I think that's that's where that that's where the the magic is, right? It's not it's not in a particular vertical that's that's highly impacted. It's really in the mindset. That's right. So as you think about that. What, what resources do you feel like are still lacking in support of aspiring or um, early founder entrepreneurs here that we as a community should be being a little bit more intentional about trying to make sure is in place? So what's lacking is bringing together, I, I feel that there's plenty of talent here mm-hmm. who either built a company and exited or uh, have been working uh, in some particular company or an industry for 20 years, and there's plenty of experience to be harnessed. So it's the opportunity. So I feel what's lacking, still lacking, is an opportunity for these folks to come together and to contribute in a meaningful way as, as having enough of, the, enough of the resources where the tipping, where the tipping, point, um, the tipping point is going to occur when, when you have... Uh, senior talent that's looking to contribute to the early stage startup. So you literally combining experience with uh, useful energy of companies wanting to start here, and then and then um, what's going to coalesce it together is as uh, funding that that comes into Orange County. The more VCs are going to move in and uh, set up shop, the more you're going to have those three experience uh, those three things coming together as an experience. Uh, useful energy and money. That's great. So, Sergey, we're uh, getting toward the end here. What is it about Orange County that you most appreciate? You've been here for a while and been in Southern California for a while. What What do you most appreciate about being here? I really appreciate the lifestyle. I uh, um, when when my wife said, "Okay, well, what do you think about going to Orange County?" We were living in Redonda Beach, and I really like that, but. Uh, but Orange County offered from, uh, you know, our, in our particular case, our three kids were artistically inclined. They wanted to, uh, they wanted to go and explore opportunities in OSHA, and uh, they uh, two of my kids did, and mm. they really enjoy it. So I think the lifestyle, the combination of lifestyle and opportunities, is really what brought me in and what's keeping me in. I think if you look at the, if you look at uh, the entire California, uh, from San Francisco to to San Diego, I think we probably got the best mix of um, still fairly relaxed um, atmosphere, uh, but business like attitude and demeanor. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great summary there. That that last sentence. So, Sergey, final lap. Paul's giving me the the time sign over here. I always like to have my guests share a final either lesson or a piece of wisdom that they'd like to impart. So as you think about other 
primarily technology entrepreneurs. That that's the realm that you and I both tend to spend most of our time in. As you think about that that community here, it's a growing community and one that we want to continue to support. What what lessons or words of advice would you have for them? Well, I have two um, two advices, or rather, um, one for each uh, for a particular for a particular individual. If you haven't started a company yet, but you're thinking about it, the quicker you start, the better. And mm. you don't need to jump two feet in, but keep in mind that startups is not an expert field. It's a practitioner mm-hmm. field. And the only way you're going to get good at it is is start doing it. Mm. So that's, that's for somebody who never started. For somebody who has started, I think one of the most difficult things, and it's almost impossible to... Uh, to get super practical advice about is to at what point do you need to turn back? Mm. Um, I am I, I I always compare this. Uh, you need to turn back and uh, and and do something else. You need to pivot. So this is a very difficult situation because you're you know you don't know how far you are from sure. your eventual goal. Um, I I always give an example when um, I'm. I'm a avid diver, and I, I free dove in Catalina, and one year I was able to make 35 feet without uh, without a tank. And the reason I dove this deep um, is because I saw this deep, right? Mm-hmm. I was able to see the bottom, and I and I was able to push myself and reach that bottom. So you need to build some trip wires, and you mm-hmm. need to build some clarity of vision or develop develop some early signs that you're on you're on the right path and uh, sometimes it's it's uh, it's your other co-founder sometimes it's other people that can give you advice but at the end of the day you need to build those trip wires so you know you're not gonna you know you're not just one inch away and you just need to keep pushing or you just need to turn back and micro pivot oh that's I, I think that's so that that could be a whole episode and conversation on all its by own itself. That's uh, right. Of just yeah, and and the value of having uh, those other folks around to help you with uh, a lens or a mirror or whatever the the analogy that that you may need. So that that's great. Well, Sergey, thank you so much for uh, taking us along on uh, this ride today and and sharing as I knew you would your your experiences and and wisdom with us. And thanks for being such a giving mentor to others here and to the community and you know i know you guys are going to do great on an ongoing basis with certamy and excited to see what's in store for you in 2020 and beyond uh, you're definitely doing your part to accelerate oc thanks for all you do carrie thank you so much it's been a pleasure You've just listened to Accelerate OC. Join our live recordings every Tuesday morning at accelerateoc.com or listen, like, and share anytime from your favorite podcast spot. Let's accelerate OC together.